Alan, welcome uh, to the Tread Podcast, round two. Um, I know there's a lot of great feedback from our Long Toss uh, podcast. And um, just for those of you watching, Alan reached out to me a couple of days ago after uh, I posted a Twitter thread talking about uh, the changeup and talking about some, some different thoughts on how to train the changeup optimally. And he has some very strong thoughts and opinions about this. And he's been working on developing changeups with his guys for, you know, probably over 20, if not 30 years at this point. So um, he's got a lot of experience. I, I, he really kind of opened my mind to a couple of different ways of, of viewing the changeup and uh, gave me some ideas that I'm going to be incorporating with some of my guys as well. But that being said, we got some slightly differing opinions that we wanted to allow you guys to be able to, to listen to that and kind of learn uh, some different perspectives on the topic. Um, but I definitely, Alan, appreciate you and appreciate you kind of uh, challenging my views and I challenge your views. And it's, it's great that we can kind of have these conversations both you know behind closed doors but then you know both be being willing to share these ideas with people as well so i appreciate you having you on um i guess first things first right like um giving giving the people a little bit of context to you know why you reached out in the first place i posted a, a twitter thread basically talking about the whole uh, throwing changeups at 90 feet thing that's something that i did myself in college our, our whole staff did for a couple of years in college and you know my my basic point was um the very, the very best changeups in the big leagues, the very best changeups, college level, uh, minor league level. Um, you can think of like Pedro Martinez's changeup, right? That's a pitch that you know starts at the starts at the belt and bounces just behind home plate. It's got such sharp late depth to it that if you were going, if you were to tell Pedro Martinez to throw his changeup from 90 feet, that pitch is going to bounce at 65 feet, bounce at 70 feet. So how is he? Gonna, what's he going to do to be able to get that pitch to 90 feet? Well, he's going to have to backspin it more. He's going to have to get more behind the pitch, and it's going to lose that nasty shape that he has. He's going to lose that crazy extension. And so my point was, hey, maybe the goal shouldn't be on these 90-foot change-ups to try to hit our partner in the chest or try to throw a strike from 90 feet because we're just training a flat change-up. Maybe it should be, if we're going to do these 90-foot change-ups, we should, we should be trying to long hop our partner where we start it as a strike and we want to see it fade. We want to create shape. Um, and so, again, just challenging that kind of traditional change-up exercise where maybe it's not just about arm speed but let's let's appreciate that shape has a big uh, a big role to play in how a change-up actually performs um, again so you, you reached out to me uh, to kind of discuss hey maybe there are some times and, and instances where it might be worth uh, throwing the change-up a little bit further for various reasons and really talking and diving into the mental component of a change-up as well so I definitely want to get into that, but maybe the first thing we could discuss is like what makes a good changeup, in your opinion. What 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 do the most elite changeups have in common? Yeah, well, number one, um, thank you for doing this, Ben. Because um, one thing I love about the baseball community is um, I just love how open-minded people generally are. I like the fact that. Um, you know, as much as you have done and as well as established as you are, like you're constantly learning. I'm constantly learning. Um, and so I just appreciate you doing this. And, um, and I'm really excited to talk about this because I just feel like, yes, the change has been around forever. But is it really one of those things that we truly <laughs> um, talk about enough? I guess we can talk about that with a lot of things like the mental game and other things like that. So uh, I'm excited to do this to answer your question. Um, which I know this is really opening the door to exactly where we're going to go as well, which is great. Um, uh, number one for me is uh, I'll use a quote we talked about earlier from um, one of my students um, back in the early 2000s, Josh Karp out of UCLA. Um, Josh was maybe like the fifth pick in the draft, and I, I just was really 
I just love watching him. Um, he had one of the best fastballs I had seen to that point in my life. He had one of the best curveballs, and he had definitely one of the best changeups. And um, well, there's a reason he went fifth overall, right? Um, and so I remember when he he was in our camp. We did this pro camp for eight weeks before spring training, and it was great. I got to know the guys really well. You know, pick their brains too, watch them and their pens and. And I was so, I guess I've just always been fascinated by the changeup, whether it's back to the Maddox, Glavin days, obviously Trevor Hoffman. Um, we had a guy here named Eric Gagne, even though it wasn't maybe a traditional changeup, it was more of a, what do they call it, Falcon grip. But mm -hmm. um, I guess for whatever reason, and then myself, I, I, I pitched till I was 45 and I, I threw relatively hard when I was younger, but I think as I got older uh, in the game, I... I just loved the changeup. To me, it just felt like the ultimate equalizer. I, I felt like it was such an art form, the feeling of throwing a changeup where the hitter literally thinks you're throwing a fastball. And I hit also until I was 45. So being as a, as a hitter, I experienced seeing a lot of pitching in my life, and I felt the same way. I always felt like a changeup, ironically, a changeup that doesn't move at all, assuming the guy has a four-seam fastball. But I always felt like that was the hardest pitch for me to hit. It was the hardest to detect. It was the most deceptive. And I'm, again, I'm talking about someone that's a four-seam guy that threw, that threw it with great four-seam intent. Um, so back to Josh. Josh said to me, and I, I think this, is, this captures something that was either already inside of me or it's what snapped me. He said, I think of it, my changeup as a fastball with a different grip. And I know that may be a, a, a a term or a, a, a concept people have talked about before, but for me, it was really the first time I heard it in that context where I had this vision right away. Like when he is throwing his changeup, he now does he think, yeah, be committed, be convicted, like you're supposed to be throwing a changeup. This was a different level. This was like a first degree black belt versus a 10th degree black belt. I could feel it the way he said it. He believes in his soul. <laughs> that he is throwing this thing like a four-seam fastball underneath the hands to try to beat a guy with two strikes. Like, and I saw it with my own eyes, bullpen after bullpen. And it was an art form. And I'll just bring up one other quick guy, and then we can move on. Jack Krawcheck also was in our pro camp around the same time. Um, relief pitcher at USC, All-American. Um, was on the mound when USC, I believe, won their last national championship game, or last national championship. And Jack might have thrown 82 to 84, maybe 85, maybe touched 87. But um, but his changeup was, again, one of the best, not just changeups, one of the best pitches I have seen in my entire life. And, uh, and he told me at one point during that run in the regionals, maybe even into the College World Series, I believe it was the same year. He threw 57, I believe, changeups in a row. Wow. And and as I told you just just a, a little bit before the podcast about the time where we had a, a our, in our pro camp we had the pitchers face the hitters and I was catching and he I went out to get the signs from him and he said all changeups and the hitters knew it was coming and they still had no chance and um, and so this will go I know forward with what that means but I guess the the, the real long answer short is. Um, to me, it's when I look at a pitcher on a mound and I believe whether I'm a hitter or I'm a coach or I'm in the stands that every fiber in that pitcher's being down to their eyebrows 
to their toes, whatever. Their, their mechanics literally is, when I say identical, I don't mean 99%. I mean it's 100% you believe they are throwing a fastball. End of story. So I guess that would be the, the 30 second answer that I covered in four minutes. Awesome. Yeah. So, so you, you definitely, you put a lot of that stock then in keeping the same arm speed, keeping the same uh, in, in, intent intensity. And it's more of the, the deception aspect to you uh, in terms of like, that's, that's one of the things that's stand out for the elite changeups versus just kind of an average changeup. Like when you think you look at Pedro Martinez's changeup, you see that same aggressiveness, conviction, intensity behind the pitch. Um, I would add to that because I, I do think that's an extremely important piece. Um, you know, one of the things that we we kind of look at as far as the data side of of changeup pitch metrics, um, and I, I can share my screen here just to show you what I'm talking about. So, uh, oh, love it already. Yeah, one one of the things you'll see is um, when you look at how changeups at the big league level play and what separates the really good ones. Uh, from the kind of average ones, um, we can look at just movement and shape, uh, and we all know, you know, a changeup with good shape, good depth, um, you know, that's that's important. But we look at this right here. Red is whiff rate. We want to see that high. We want to see high whiff rate, and uh, woba weighted on base average. We want to see that that low. So we want blue blue low, red high. If we look at vertical break, the amount of depth, five inches or lower of vertical break is when you really start to see these changeups separate themselves. So just as an example, this is a Devin Williams changeup. And so he, he's got, I would argue, the best changeup in baseball at, at this point. And maybe you could argue Pedro's was better back in the day. But um, just as a kind of point of reference, his is in that negative two, negative four um, vert range. So like he's throwing his changeup um, like around here, right around here. So extremely high whiff rate, extremely low uh, WOBA. So you want to create a ton of depth on the changeup, ideally, um, to not just be deceptive from the speed differential, but also to be deceptive uh, from the actual shape of the pitch. Um, and then horizontal break, um, you know, that's how much, obviously, arm side run you're getting. You can see the, the real effect starts to happen once you get over about 14 or 15 inches of arm side run. Um, that's when you start to see whiff rates jump, and that's when you start to see Woba decrease. Um, so lo long story short, and Pedro's a really good example of this, uh, I'm sure he was a guy who... If pitch metrics, you know, were a thing back then, you would have seen into the negatives vert in over 15 inches of horizontal. Um, but just kind of add up to what you're saying, like not just the deception piece, but also we can create that shape. I think to me that that combination of both is is when you start to see these really standout pitches that you have no idea what's coming. It looks exactly like a fastball, and not only are you swing, you know, from the time the timing differential, but you're just you have no shot because it drops off the table. So, would you agree on that? Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And obviously, this is stuff that's out there now, as far as the, the science and the data. I think what what I was trying to say is it's like the saying, "All paths lead to Rome," you know, or or out of Rome, or whatever the saying is. Is that I should know my sayings before I say them, but um, <laughs> I don't know the exact one. I think what I'm saying is, was that I don't know the exact saying either. So it's close enough. We, we get it. Um, I think what I'm saying is that it all starts with the, uh, the deception, meaning you have to first be in the fastball mentality to, to, to deceive the hitter up front. Like that's just first and foremost. Now, yes, if you're a two-seam guy and the ball should look like a two-seamer, if you're a four-seam guy, the ball should look like a four-seamer. 
data may come out and say, I mean, that has come out and said, as you're saying with shape, how valuable shape is. So obviously I'm not going to dispute that. Um, but I think there's one other sort of hidden variable that it's always going to be tough to um, evaluate, which is if pitchers are throwing the changeup not nearly as well as they could. So in other words, you have guys that are decelerating a bit or they're tipping it off a little bit and therefore they're not getting much. And those are the guys that aren't getting much shape. Um, we could argue that, well, the shape is showing us value for sure, but maybe also the lack of shape would score better if more pitchers truly were throwing it with better deception, meaning yep. their mechanics look more fastball-ish. So um, by all means, listen, I mean, I was a four-seam guy, and I wanted my pitch to be as straight as my four-seamer. I felt like as a hitter, again, it was always the heart. I'd rather hit a 93-mile-an-hour splitter or something. I, I just felt I felt like um, the straight changeup was the hardest thing for my brain to process, not to mention it's the most unique pitch from my brain to see as a hitter. In other words, there aren't many straight change-ups with guys throwing with full intent. It just, it's like a unicorn. They don't, I mean, it shouldn't be a unicorn, but I feel like it is a unicorn like a Trevor Hoffman. I'm sure his ball sunk. Don't, but my point is, is that to the brain, I think it's the hardest pitch to perceive if mm. the pitcher is doing it right. Now, to your point, let's get the best of both worlds. Let's make sure we do A right. And my my other concern, by the way, about the, the chart showing how valuable that the, the shape is, and, and I'm not disagreeing with it, but now if we're going after just the shape, because we know X vertical drop equals this, um, that may tip, the, the pitcher may learn to throw the changeup that is still good in getting the vertical break, but maybe the deceleration of the body's happening, there's um, the, the, the hand is over pronating because he's trying to get so much break. Um, so I think it's it's tricky. It's a slippery slope. But I would just say for simplicity, I totally agree with you. I think we're saying the same thing. Let's get both parts. Let's first. Yep. But, but I guess my point is, let's first you have to get to this deception piece through having fastball mechanics and mentality. And I believe based on our, you know, where, where we're going to go in this conversation that Pitchers subconsciously don't realize that they haven't maybe figured that part out to that degree or yeah. mastered that piece. So it's almost like what you're saying is it's it's an order of operations uh, problem, right? It's it's not that shape doesn't matter. It's that you can't if you try to address shape before you've addressed conviction and intensity and aggressiveness and trust and feel in the changeup. Until you get that down first, then you're you're kind of putting the, the cart before the horse. And it's that that resonates with me in terms of what we've seen with. Uh, training vertical break on the fastball and we've had this conversation as well where you know you can try to create that that move those movement metrics artificially or you can try to create them organically doing it in long toss throwing the crap out of it getting good you know good extension and throwing as hard as you can downhill that creates that vertical break as a natural byproduct or you can just kind of cheat your elbow out front and try to dart throw it to get the spin metrics to show up on a rapsoda or on a trackman and so you're 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 we're saying the same thing we're saying can you create it in an organic way with aggressive intensity versus trying to artificially create a shape? Yeah, I'd love to see my number one principle, which goes back to really your first question. If I had a picture right now on flat ground and we were working on this changeup or the mound or whatever, um, independent of the shape of his pitch, really independent of everything, 
And not that I don't want to get that too, but I've, I've seen in 30 plus years of doing this, um, pitchers, no matter how hard I've tried to tell them to truly cut loose, they know to be convicted. They, they know to finish. <laughs> um, but I've seen it over the years, time and time again, it is just hard for pitchers to do it because subconsciously they know the ball's going to go too hard. So they're trying to decel their arm, decel their body. A lot of this is subconscious to just make sure they take speed off the ball. They know if they cut loose on the ball, it's going to go too hard. So that's why I'm saying this first major door to get through by, I mean, this, this, to me, it's not a close second. As valuable as shape is and, and, and will prove out to be, and I'm, I'm, I don't want to diminish that at all, but I'll, I'll give you another analogy I, I, I think about a lot, which is why well, I've used this analogy before as far as if I'm holding a runner, this is a funny analogy, but if I'm holding a runner on first, and let's say this runner's got happy feet and leads the league in stolen bases. I get the sign from my catcher, right? Fastball away, whatever that's called now. In the old days, it was called fastball away. It still is. Now, if my mind is consumed by the runner, I'm picking him off, I'm stepping off, I'm doing all sorts of things to disrupt him. I had a saying, which is, okay, no matter what's going on over at first base, that's secondary. My primary is I better be in tune with my target and attacking it in my process on the mound. Like that has to be the, the whole ball of wax. Now, I have a secondary thing. Now, what happens a lot of times, as you know, in baseball is pitchers, this becomes the primary holding the runner on, and they kind of get distracted and they're, they're not so focused on going to the plate. So the simple analogy is, is that you just have to, no matter what the runner's doing over at first, when you are, when you know you're ready to go back to the plate, you got to get a hundred percent committed back to the plate. And to me, that's the same analogy with the changeup. All these other things that happen afterward can be really helpful and beneficial. But if you don't figure out first what it means to be fully convicted with your changeup and throw it with full intensity, even though it may go too hard, and we'll talk about this, I know later about slow, how to slow the pitch down without decelerating the body. But I, I, I know we keep saying the same things, but I just feel like it's so important for people to understand that you've got to get A done before B. So how do you how do you work on that, right? It, would you say it's something as simple as like telling a guy to grunt on his changeup? Like Nolan Nolan Ryan, I think was was known for grunting on his off speed pitches, as well. Is is that like a simple cue you would use, or or do you take them through a specific protocol to teach them what that actually feels like to fully let loose and trust the changeup? Great question. It's a full process. So what I've learned is that even players at the professional level that are very advanced and experienced with what they're doing. If I tell them to throw a change it with full conviction, I've learned it might be one out of a hundred, but 99% of the time that change, if they're going to throw it, I'm going to just use a number of, of 90 to 95%, which sounds good in theory, but that means somewhere between five to 10% of their body, their arm, their face, their shoulder, their leg, Something changed. Of course, it's probably usually some kind of deceleration. And so what I'll say after the first one, and I'll actually go back to how I would do this on flat ground and, and kind of really build it up. But I'm just sort of going, I, I'm going to go for, I'm going to go to the front and then we'll reverse engineer. Um, so then I'll say something like, you know, that was really good. Um, but you, I could definitely tell something something slowed down. Do me a favor, and I want you to think about your best fastball. Again, trying to beat someone under the hands on a forcing fastball. 
like with with everything you got like what does that look like and they're like okay they do it again it's 91 to 94 percent or 91 to 96 percent. i'm like hey it's a little better but you're still deselling you know your arm dropped a little bit your front side pulled out a little fast um and they're and they they don't get mad at me but they're kind of they get frustrated a little bit and because i think they know deep down i'm right and i'm like look trust me on this the ball is gonna go too hard i'm gonna give you peace of mind up front you don't have to think about this it's gonna go too hard if you do this drill right but i want you to win the drill and forget about what the changeup is supposed to look like and so then i'll get them competitive which we all know with athletes is a good place to go and i'll say look you will win I will take you to dinner, whatever it is, or you take me to dinner on this next pitch. If you can say to me that this would have gone as far as your furthest throw in long toss, okay, or your best bolt in a game, you know, whatever that is, 93 under the hand, whatever is in your arm. If you can honestly tell me that after this pitch that you threw that with the 100% exact intent, posture, body language, of a fastball down to your eyebrows. I go, you win. I don't care if it goes 95. I don't care if you throw your change of 95 right now. You win. And when I give it to them in that context, it changes the game. Because now they look at this like, oh, it's not about making my change up go slow enough. It's about what I call breaking this mold of maybe years and years of programming and the subconscious feeling of a change up means the ball needs to go slower, <laughs> which is true. But as we know, that will translate to them making sure it goes slower by probably decelerating something because here's the catch. They know subconsciously that if they do finish and do the right thing, if they are convicted and do the right thing, they know for sure this changeup is going to go too hard. And so I have to explain that piece to them up front and say it is going to go too hard, but that's the hardest part of the changeup and we need to break that mold first. And then once we do that, then we'll take the ball and we'll take, if you have a, a basic circle change, we'll, we'll manipulate the ball to where it will get less off the ball in time. But it's almost like if you don't, if you don't get over to this island first, you know, if you don't, in other words, if you don't break this chain and right. first break this old programming to know what it feels like. Um, so the last thing I would say is this as far as the, the procession of doing this. If I had someone on flat ground, this was brand new to them, I'd, I'd first have them throw their change up, you know, at 60%, 70%, because I want them to have feel, feel, feel. I know we'll get into this with the change up in long toss later, but, and then what happens, I'll have them pick a focal point, let's say chest height, and I'll say, okay, throw it up, you know, get a little firmer, let's say 80%, and I'll purposely lower the focal point as I add the percentage intent. And I'll do the same thing that I just went through. Eventually, as they get lower and lower, so they're on top of the ball and they're feeling more like a fastball that they're getting through, then the same things will come up. They'll, they'll start to feel like they're throwing at 100%. And I'll say it's close. It's 90%. It's 92%. Or I'll see a lot of decel or a lot of manipulation of the ball. And I'll play the same game. And I'll say, look, I don't care how hard the ball goes. In fact, I want this thing to go super hard. Let's just see if you can get that feeling. And when they do this, by the way, another kind of proof positive of how unique this is, is athletes will look at me like, I don't know if I've ever thrown a changeup the right way in my life. Meaning, I just did what you said. I cut it loose. It felt a little insecure because I knew it was going to go too hard. 
but I did it to win the game. And once I did it, I felt my body fall into that flow of a fastball mechanic with fastball intent. And I don't know if I've experienced that truly in my mind because my mind is always protecting me, right? Or always trying to control things or worried about the speed. And so anyway, that, that would be a little bit of some of the real kind of dialogue that I feel like needs to go on and also the awareness that needs to happen. So do you, do you find that like once they've, once they fill that one time, they never have to relearn that or do you have to constantly revisit, you know, next session, next session, next session, like finding that intensity, that, that high gear first, you know, start of the session so that they can then work on the shape later on the session or, or once you've done it once and they had that light bulb moment, they can never unfeel that. Great question, Ben. The, the, the light bulb epiphany, once it happens, it, it is like the cat is, is loose and they're aware. But as you well know, who trains lots of players, is that it is an old program. It has a lot of history. Um, there is a lot of story around how the changeup has been thrown their whole life. And so you do need to stay on top of it. You do need, need to ingrain it. But the good news is, is that once they've felt this feeling, you know, like, like hitting the lottery they, they just sort of feel like there's a wow moment they touched it they felt that there's it's hard to teach you know like and so once they have that experience to your point is i do feel like that they and they want it like they they feel like wow like that, i just executed like something that was a game changer for me and i felt it and i know why and so now it's in there, it's in the system, and now they want to achieve that. And also they know as a pitcher that from a hitter's point of view, it's an absolute nightmare to have to deal with um, someone throwing a changeup now with the right way, so to speak, with full intent. And so I guess I do feel like that they get to that point where um, bottom line is they need more integration, they need more training, but I feel like once the cat's out of the bag, their their awareness is way up there. And the fixes can be very quick. Do you find that um, when they first feel that, like, do they always throw it way too hard and they backspin it and, you know, the, they don't have good shape on it? Or do sometimes they, they feel that and they, they actually do throw a completely nasty one their very first or second or third time doing it because suddenly they are actually getting through the pitch in the right way? Is, is it always too hard and backspun? Or sometimes they just bust out the nastiest changeup they've ever thrown when they go through it with true intensity. It's both. I think what will happen is, as you said, it goes back to your point about shape. I think once they're freed up to throw like they've been throwing a fastball their whole life, which is the most knowable pitch in their body because they've been doing it since they were a child, right? So there's such a comfort zone with throwing a fastball, as you know, you've done it your whole life. So once they tap in and sync with the same feelings that they get from what they've done their whole life, which is so natural, then now, yes, it's going to tend to go for sure too hard, but you're also going to see the life on the ball move in a way that's going to be more consistent with what I think the path of the ball would do because their, their wrist is freed up, their fingertips are freed up, right? They're, they're doing what they do with a fastball. Um, but I would say, regardless of, of how much the shape for sure is going to happen, as we talked about earlier, the, the, the main breakthrough right away is, is or, or the main piece they're going to note right away is the ball is going to go way. It, by the way, when I say way too fast, that's such a positive because it tells you how much they're decelerating 
truly on, on a certain level because the ball goes, because the ball's being thrown right, and now it's five, six, seven miles an hour too hard. Well, in a way, if you look at that from a, you know, from the opposite point of view, it's like, well, that makes sense. They, the average pitcher might be deselling 10%, and now you're adding 10% more velocity because of the way it should be thrown, which is why, you know, I'm, actually these numbers are helping me realize why it's even harder for a pitcher to truly cut loose on a changeup unless they're, they've learned this at a young age or they do it naturally like a Pedro. But, um, but I think the first thing you're going to see, if someone does this, you can almost just put it in ink. It's going to be five to seven miles an hour harder, which is a good sign. And, uh, and as you said, I think you'll start to see some of what the shape is, would, would look like in a benefit going forward. So let's let's say we've done this. They've thrown the first couple way too hard. It's maybe five miles an hour harder than we would ultimately like to get them to. But they have that light bulb moment. It clicks. What are some strategies to then take some speed off the pitch from there without actually reducing the intensity? You've built you've built them up, and now we need to drop some velo off in a in an organic way. Um, are you are you changing the focal point down? Are you trying to get them to feel the ball out front? Are you just tweaking the the grip in their in their fingertips um what are some of your what are your like your top three go-to's to actually create that shape and that velo differential now that we've actually held the intensity as a constant ben i love it man you're firing me up so number one is gonna be the grip for sure because that to me is the most important piece to slowing the ball down um and i'll talk about that in a second briefly um, number two i'd probably say is focal point um, um, low and, and, and to glove side um, for extension reasons, right? We want them to really feel what it's like to get, look, this is about being like a fastball. So things like getting through the pitch and then of course getting downhill. So you take away the subconscious thought of if I'm desailing, I'm getting underneath the ball. So we want the opposite. We're like, no, no, no. We want this at the right toe for a right-handed pitcher. That's where we want your focal point to be. Um, and I guess three might just be similar cues of just, you know, this is a fastball. That's it. We're not, in fact, I don't even like to use the word changeup around pitchers. I might just only use the word you're throwing a fastball. Yes, you have a different grip. So that might be cue number three. As far as the grip, I'll just do something really basic because I throw a circle change. And so what happens with like a circle change is that one thing we'll do is we'll, we'll just slide the middle finger down the ball a little bit. So now all of a sudden you have just a little more gap here. All right, so again, everything comes down to just having less touch, less physical touch on the ball. I don't wanna use the word feel because we want the feel obviously to be there. Um, some guys maybe like to pull the ball forward away from the palm. Obviously now it's closer to the fingertips. That's, that could be a little scary at first, but that's gonna obviously create um, less friction on the ball or, or whatever you wanna call it, less, force on the ball. Um, so I guess at the end of the day, those are just like a couple of, of real basic ones. I had guys, by the way, that went from what I call a very standard three finger. Let me see if I can get this right on the camera. It's over here. So standard three fingers. And then what I did is I want to do this in very, very small increments because I don't want them to be shocked. Like, okay, like I love my circle change grip. Maybe I'm decelerating on it or my body, but okay, but I, I still want to cut loose with that grip. So it's a very tiny adjustment that might happen over a few weeks. So first you go to what I'd call like the middle finger, maybe down a little bit. And then at some point that middle finger can get to so look, now I'm almost like at the halfway point. Mm -hmm. 
you can call, I call this two and a half fingers. Okay, so this is three. This is a little less than three. I had one kid at one point, actually, it was a, a pretty high pick of the twins who, I don't mean to say that for dropping names, it's more because he threw hard. He was like 93, 94. And, I, and, and he was a master at this. He got down to two fingers. And he threw this thing as hard as he could to where I want to say it was maybe 78. He was like 92, 94. So, and I mean, it was a, it was awesome. And before I forget, that's one of the games we would play with our pitchers is how hard can you throw the ball with full intensity, like almost overkill? And how slow can you get the ball to go? Because then they had to figure out, because they can't do anything to their body anymore. They can't do anything to their head. We're 100. They can't do anything to their arm. Right. We're 100 percent now in the ball, and it is amazing if you just go from whatever your traditional grip is, and you just slightly adjust one finger or you pull it forward even a little bit. And I've seen this within one throw. It may not be all the way there yet, of course, but there's a light that goes on immediately. They're like, oh. And then, I'll, and then one last thing I'll say, and then we can move on is. This is like so exciting to pitchers who maybe have shown good changeups, but no deep down they struggle with it or it's inconsistent or they shelve it because it's like sometimes they're sometimes not. This is so empowering to the pitcher because they realize I got this now. Okay, it's going to go too fast, but I now know how to at least have repeatability with it because I'm throwing it 100% the same way every time with 100% intent. So I've, I've eliminated the most important variable by far. And so now, yes, I have to tweak my grip a little bit. It might take a little bit of time to get used to it. But now you get to sort of experiment and play. And, but you have the repeatability as your baseline now. And guys have fun with this now. They're like, man, this is cool. I, I know to throw it 100%. That's repeatable. I don't have to figure out that hard part anymore. Now it's just about what do I need to do to manipulate my grip to get to a point where – it's just slower, and, and then how slow do you want to make it? And now, lastly, back to your point on shape. Well, what's going to happen is, is, of course, is as you start to get less grip on the ball and, or you get more friction, well, now the shape's going to come as a byproduct of that, and that might be a My part of question. the world you never yeah. get to experience because you've never gone there. Yeah, so you don't, you don't even you don't have to directly your, – your point is you don't necessarily have to directly focus on the shape if you focus on the velo differential while while holding max intensity, the shape will come as a natural byproduct. If you can get the guy throwing 93 to throw a 78 mile an hour changeup max effort, there's no way that that pitch doesn't have the shape. Is what that's what you're saying. So you you just from the opposite end of the the spectrum and in that order of operations and let the shape emerge as a byproduct versus like some coaches will say I'm going to take a hockey puck and have guys like throw a hundred a day at 10% effort just to feel the, the spin off their fingertips. And you would say, no, no, we need to go opposite direction, feel the aggression, now play that game where, where we try to take speed off. And in doing so, the shape will emerge as a byproduct. So I, I think that's a, it's just super interesting hearing the different perspective on that, but still getting to the exact same endpoint in terms of what we all agree a plus changeup should actually look like and play like. Yeah, and also the shape part of it, as we went back to that earlier question, if you take care of A, B gets taken care of, as you said. So, but my pro the, the point is, is it feels like everything's so hyper-focused on B. I don't mean the shape B. I just mean throwing a good, good change up, which includes the shape. 
and we have to first get to A. Until you get to a point where you can get a pitcher on a mound and essentially throw a bat with his changeup way too hard, until you break that mold, um, to me, you can do all the drills you want. Don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with doing drills to develop feel, and it can be very helpful for the big picture. But it goes back to the holding the runner on first. At the end of the day, there's just nothing to think about. You, you, you better get 100% of your attention back to the hitter, or in this case, really the glove and your process. And so um, I'm going to keep beating that same drum for forever, meaning you have got to first get this fastball mentality right. And is and I like what you said because you just gave me insight into the idea of why the shape gets so much better as a byproduct. Because of course, if you're throwing, I mean, I didn't think of it this way, but yes, if you're throwing 95 and you can get your change of, let's just say down to, let's make an extreme. Let's say you can get it down to 60. Okay, we'll just play that game. But you are truly chucking this thing with 95% everything. Someone watching you from the point of release, if they couldn't see your grip. It was 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 capturing it next to another video of you throwing 95. If they had electrodes on you to where they literally saw your heartbeat didn't change or pulse, nothing changed in your body. It was it was a hundred percent the same dude or gal. But you were able to throw that 95 at 60. And I know we're I know we're going for a, it's a little bit of a reach, but as you said, Ben, it's perfect. What kind of shape would organically Right. Come out of that. You have to. The ball would have to have this. And, and by the way, I also believe like with life and carry from pulling down and long toss, which to me is really the most optimal fastball. It's got the life and carry because it had the stretching out phase behind it. I feel the same way with this hump at 60 miles an hour. I feel like it, 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 it couldn't be obviously this, this noticeable, easy to read big hump. It would have more of that life and that organic quickness of the same effect you get from pulling down a long toss. Yeah, just a, a couple of points on this. I think this is really good stuff. Um, one is we, we talk about like what what mechanically about trying to throw the ball as hard as you can with a change-up grip would would give that pitch more shape. Um, you mentioned you mentioned you might adjust the focal point a little bit down to low in glove side. Um, that's actually that's a kind of hack we'll use in bullpen sometimes. And the thought process, just for people listening behind that, is you know as as you get as you change the focal point, you're actually going to get a little bit more extension out front. You're going to release the ball a little bit more out front. And as your hand back up, so you can see my hand, as your hand spirals out and around, you're holding more supination back here. As it spirals out and around, it starts to get to more pronation, 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 pronation. You can hold on to that ball a little bit longer and get to out here. By the time you're out here, you're in more of a pronated position, whereas back here, you're more neutral. Back here, you're more in supination. So if we can hold on to it a little bit longer and change the focal point low in glove side, you're actually going to be releasing the ball naturally in more pronation without, without artificially trying to turn the pitch over. All you're doing is just changing the focal point, throwing it as hard as you can there, and your hand is naturally in a more pronated position by the time it gets along that kind of helical arc. So that's that's something that we've we've also like independently, you know, realized, but just kind of hearing how we're coming to the exact same conclusions about that. So that's that's the first thing. And the other thing you mentioned, just being comfortable with the consistency of the pitch once they feel it at max effort. That gets me thinking about, you know, we've been saying the same thing about fastballs for a long time with our guys where some pitchers 
some pitchers have the the feel to be able to like back off a pitch on 3-0 and like get aggressive on 3-2 or 0-2 and they can throw 100% fastball, they can throw 80% fastball, they can throw a BP fastball. A lot of guys don't have the feel to do that. And so if you can just get them to have one gear where like everything is game speed. You get them in a game, everything's game speed. It suddenly makes it a lot easier for them to command their fastball because they're not trying to like place the ball once they get behind in the count and then be aggressive once they're ahead in the count. It's just everything is the same game speed fastball. You're saying let's take that same thing for the changeup. So now they're not trying to regulate, hey, fastball is 100%, changeup is 80%. Now 3-0 fastball is 90%. Now this changeup is 75%. It's all one game speed. One, It just takes away that variable. It's, it's a consistent intensity across the board. So I had never thought of it from a changeup perspective, how that, that alone would just give guys so much more comfort in repeating the pitch because they're not trying to constantly play with that intensity dial. It's just turned up all the way. You can argue the same thing for the for curveball and every other pitch, right? The more consistent you throw that pitch. Look, we know stories of like Pedro adding and subtracting on his fastball, and you can say he was a master at it, and, and maybe not a lot of people can do it. You know, he would purposely throw a 97, then he'd purposely throw a 92 mile an hour fastball. Um, and I've heard of pitchers who can throw a BP fastball as their changeup, which I think is a, an art form. I don't think a lot of people can do it, maybe. Maybe they can, maybe they just haven't worked on it. But I think you bring up a good point, this this term variable, Ben, because it's why I love pulling down a long toss because it translates into you getting into to a, a 100% repeatable mentality so that you always know that when I throw a fastball, I do X so that it's going to go to Y. The same thing for a curveball. If I aim at X, I want it to go to Y. But if I'm throwing a 92% fastball with my curveball grip, how can I expect my X point to go to my Y point? It doesn't make sense. And the same thing with the changeup. Um, and you you brought up another interesting point. <clears throat> if pitchers, according to how I feel about this, tend to maybe not every single pitch, but tend to decelerate or or, or you know or not have that full intent, you can also argue that that could creep into their other pitches throughout the right. game, right? They may they may all of a sudden not even realize it, but they're deselling on their fastball a little bit because they're they're deselling on their changeup, or because they flew open on their changeup to slow it down subconsciously. Now they came out of their mechanics. I, I know guys at the highest level they probably make these micro adjustments fast, but the point is why mess around if if we know going into it that if we're all look here's the bottom line. This is how I love to pitch. I felt like every pitch I threw, I wanted to look 100% the exact same way. Literally, can I control on you know on, uh, on 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 video if someone could actually see my grip of my hand or was my arm slot maybe down a tiny bit on my changeup versus my fastball? I don't know, but I wanted them at least mentally, visually, and energetically. I wanted them to believe here comes his best fastball on every one of my pitches because number one, I know it was well. Number one for me. It's how I felt like I was going to be the most repeatable throughout the game. And number two, a very close number two, is I knew that this was going to be very deceptive for them the closer I stayed at 100% on all my pitches. So I think that your idea of the variability piece is massive. Awesome. So let's let's kind of go back to the original, uh, the original topic, which is kind of the tweet um, as far as like how do we – how do we truly train this then? We, we've talked about how there, there should be some sort of uh, kind of aggressive, you know, pull down phase or just throwing it as hard as you possibly can downhill. Um, 
first off, what do you think about the whole like throwing changeups at 90 feet thing like that, the scenario I described there. And then also um, you've described how you at sometimes have guys long toss the changeup. So is that max distance long toss? Is that 120? Is that 150? Is that max arc? Is that just on a line at 150? Um, what are some other ways to gain some feel of the changeup? And how do you see that kind of incorporating into the, this broader changeup training plan? Because we've, we've kind of described this like final step, uh, or actually, I guess it's the first step, but ultimately what we're trying to get to, which is getting downhill extension, uh, a little bit of pronation, and being able to finish the pitch with the same arm speed. So you teach that first, and that's where we're ultimately trying to get, get to that point. Um, how do you see these longer distance changeup uh, protocols coming into play? Is that beneficial? Is that just something you might play with with certain guys, or, or do you think everybody should be doing that on some level? I want to go back to something you said about the hockey puck. And I'm a huge hockey fan, by the way. Um, anything you can do that's going to help with feel and, um, you know, different sorts of exercises that, that I guess you can tap into. So for me, it's going to be number one is going to be long tossing with a changeup for many reasons. One is, and, and don't get me wrong, some may find the hockey puck thing is the best thing in the world and do that. And someone, someone may find that I love this idea of pulling 10 and I'm going to just master that. And I don't need to go past 60 feet because something you brought up before, which I, I know is a huge factor. I know Tom House is big into it, specificity. And so I, I'm, look, number one, everybody's different. So whatever works for you from, from the general point of view of this topic, for the reason why we are in love with long toss for, for many reasons. And one of them is going to translate perfectly to your question. So again, let's take a guy and I'm going to give Kirk Sarlus a shout out here. Kirk, Kirk was in our camp as a player. First guy I ever saw long toss with a change. If I didn't, you know, that's the beauty of life, right? The beauty of coaching. You're, you learn from your players all the time. I was probably 10 years into being a quote unquote pitching coach. And here I have a guy for the first time long tossing the changeup. Kirk had one of the all-time greatest changeups too, by the way. Um, and I watched Kirk probably get out to about 150, 180. Kirk was a big, big movement two-seam guy. And so he he actually played his shape, as you would say, um, mm -hmm. with his changeup. And I found it fascinating because, of course, intuitively, it was like the, the bells and whistles went off because of my – deep history with long toss and knowing what long toss promotes. And one of the main things long toss promotes is feel. Uh, number two is this idea of variability or variance with throwing uphill. You know, you're creating all these different sen sensors of feeling, of a micro adjustments, um, getting underneath the ball, as you know, causes layback. Um, and eventually, just like in long toss with a fastball, you know, going up higher and higher and higher and creating more and more of a stretch, more and more of a layback, and eventually taking that as a benefit as a pull down on the way back in. Um, to me, I love the concept of the changeup for the same reason, where the specificity world may say, just like in long toss, there was, there was years where people were like, don't throw the ball anything but on the line, because you're going to change the release point at X, Y, and Z. And, and now I'd like to think the community is, is really um, more interested in this idea of, of the, the variance of going uphill, the range of motion, stretching out, but also how it creates feel and athleticism and then explosiveness downhill, which you just lose so much of always from the bottom line. And so this is a perfect metaphor for the changeup. I would want a guy, even though he might be very comfortable, kind of always throwing it this way, 
But in a way, it feels like throwing the ball on the line. It's very robotic. There could be tension. It could be very left brain. I want him to get, even if it's coming out of his mechanics, I want him to first get this sort of feeling of gradually throwing it uphill, 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 whether that's 90 feet or 200 feet. I once saw somebody throw a change of 300 feet, whatever it is, just go with the feel, get underneath the ball, because as you know, we're going to correct it on the way back down when we pull down. So that would be to me drill number one is just to start getting a player. And maybe you only go from 60 feet to 80 feet the first day. But the idea is that you want to get that player to start to feel these different nuances of this range of motion of the hand working of the of the fingers in different positions. Feel, 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 feel. And so we'll take that ball uphill and eventually we'll start to bring it back downhill. And now I feel like you get the best of both worlds. You you get this sort of feeling in the hand and the wrist and the fingers, you know, being relaxed and loose. And you get to have the feeling of what it means to now with freedom be downhill and explosive, which now goes into the, the end drill, which you had already mentioned, where we're going to finish, which is the pull downs and the lower focal points. And I just feel like I just feel like, again, you just open up this whole other world by going into this um, uphill long toss into this downhill pull down. And now we take that guy or gal into their position. And, and I feel and I also feel like they're way more in tune with it, what it means to be free and explosive, like a good forcing fastball on the mound. Having done this same kind of routine they would do with their fastball to get their fastball in the most optimal shape from going uphill into downhill into their bullpen. Yeah, so when, when you when you told me that on the phone last week, um, I, I thought that was really interesting because you're still getting to the same endpoint, but it's like, what's the context for how you got to that point? You can just go straight into throwing your changeup hard downhill at 60 feet, but your argument, and again, we haven't been doing this with our players, so like you've been doing this for many, many years to, to be able to see the, the results there. Um, the added proprioception, awareness, um, you know, feel as you call it, they're able to see what it's what it's like to throw it too uphill to, to like they're they're able to get all this extra feedback of okay maybe that's a bad one that's a good one um, that extra awareness of, of where the ball is on their fingertips um, one thing I'm thinking of just to bridge it to like strength and conditioning is like if you're trying to find a guy's perfect squat stance right you have to go a little too wide oh that doesn't feel quite right okay come in a little bit too narrow what does too narrow feel like that doesn't feel quite right to find out what's what truly is optimal but if you just go in and say everyone has to squat you know shoulder width that might not actually be right for that specific guy so i really like that idea of like hey can we can we use this non-specific phase to gain some awareness and some some comfort and some feel of the ball in our hand and our release point and the arm speed and the stretching it out phase um, again as long as you still get to that final product which is the downhill with the intensity with the aggression with the shape so hearing it from that perspective versus like hey let's just throw a bunch of like straight change-ups at 200 feet um that made sense to me and that's why i wanted to get on the podcast and, and have you explain that side of it because that that does start to bring it full circle and and encapsulate that into like a, a well-rounded change-up development plan versus just saying like throw your change-ups you know far there's a, there's a point and a rationale to it and still shows how you get it to the end the end goal and like you said with the squat analogy, Ben, and again, 
I'm going to bring it back to long toss. If someone knew they were going to go out and start a game today and throw five, six innings, whatever it is, and you told them, I want you to go out to flat ground, and I only want you to go out to 60 feet, and I want you to throw everything on a line. Well, first of all, it kind of hurts my arm thinking that I'm not going to get some freedom and relaxation in it by throwing with some arc, right, even a little bit of arc. And as you said, you stay in that very narrow place. It's almost like the, it's just the, the opposite to me of freedom and athleticism. <laughs> it's like you're staying in a very rigid, tense world, a very linear world. And again, some may say, yeah, but you're going to at least, you know, repeat over and over and over again, like dart throwing. So you're going to get really good at that skill. I get the specificity argument, and I'm not saying there isn't value to that. But as you said, there's this massive step first, right? It's probably why runners go, you know, train uphill and downhill, right? You, you, you just in life, we, we want color, right? We want, we don't want to stay in this one, like, very specific world. It's almost like a... There's a great Zen analogy from Alan Watts. It's, it's like trying to, um, you want the perfect temperature in the room at 70 degrees. So you put it at 70. So the on switch is 70 and the off switch is 70. And what it does is it rattles the machine, which is similar to what he calls like anxiety, right? It's, it's too, it's too tense. It's, it's too perfect maybe. I don't know. Maybe that's not a great metaphor. Maybe some people will appreciate that. But I look back to long toss. There's a reason why guys like to go 35, 40 degrees uphill as far as 350 feet or more and then bring that back downhill. There, there's something about opening up the athlete, freedom, proprioception, as you said. And, and, I just, and I also believe your best mechanics come out of that athletic freedom of movement. So in a way, I believe your best change-ups similarly will come as a result of you doing this freedom expression, right? This gradual range of motion up into this gradual range of motion down. I actually believe you'll be more accurate than someone, I guess if you got on a mound for the rest of your life, your, your, your arm may not last very long, but if you, you threw 60 feet, six inches off a mound with 100% intent, um, I, I don't know how long your arm is gonna survive it, but I guess you could argue that from a specificity point of view, um, you might repeat the best. I, I guess I would still talk, I'm gonna go back to what I said earlier. I think at the end of the day, um, there is just so much to gain from this, this variability, this feel, this proprioception. And um, as, a, as a tweet I've put out there before, we actually want our pitchers, so to speak, to come out of their mechanics and long toss because we first, Number one, we want to get the athlete out of them. We want to get the innate movement patterns out of them. We want to get the freedom out of them. We want their minds to be free. And then when they come back in and start pulling down, then we'll put that athlete back into that picture and we can work on specificity as well. But let's get the best of both worlds. Let's first free up the athlete, right? And all the other benefits that come from that. And then let's put that into the picture and and I feel like the, the long tossing with the change of metaphorically is the same idea. So let's get into, uh, I, I just have one like kind of nitty gritty question about how you long toss with a change up because that's not something that I've ever been exposed to or, or done myself. Um, and certainly I'm open to, to messing with that. Um, you mentioned how this, this one particular pitcher, um, he would kind of offset his focal points. So if he was long tossing with two seam, or I don't know if he did this with the changeup too, but he knew it was going to run 20, 30, 40 feet arm side. And so he, 
you, you mentioned he would basically throw it off to the side and let it run so that he hit his partner. But he wasn't trying to throw it at his partner and letting it run. He was throwing it. He was intentionally throwing it off to the side to account for that. And so he, your, your point on, the, on our phone call was he was able to get the best of both worlds. He was able to get the long toss benefit while still staying in his true, uh, kind of the re true release feel, at least of the fingertips and the, the spin of the ball so that he wasn't straight just backspinning the changeup or backspinning the two seam. He was able to get that, that true, uh, true spin. Um, is that something that you cue or coach, or is that something that you kind of let the player figure out on their own? Um, how, do you, how do you kind of incorporate that? Do you, do you have the focal point shift as they get further and further out because that ball is going to have more and more time to run? Um, how, do you, how do you kind of like balance that, that aspect into long tossing with a pitch that's supposed to have or, or has more shape than just kind of a straight backspin fastball? It's a great question, and it's tricky, Ben, because if the player, like I would say most players, are used to decelerating on some level, I don't know if we're getting their true, a true understanding of what the shape is really going to look like eventually. So I would sort of go back to square one, which is um, be aware of what their shape seems to look like. But I want to first just... And, and if it, if the shape is left to right, and there's nothing wrong with saying, hey, you know, just you know, let it let it ride, you know, just go with the feel of it. I almost kind of don't want them to know anything, and I want them to first just be more in tune with the feel of the ball in their hand, the feel of throwing it uphill, um, just sort of seeing like organically what happens when we start to elevate the height of it and start to move back, because we may actually learn that they're not so much a left to right. Um, they might be more of an on top straighter pitcher that eventually maybe moves a little harder to the right and not so much down or we might learn the opposite so i kind of would first go back to square one of just sort of like what we do in long toss we're not really coaching them on mechanics and in too much even with intent of where the ball should be we actually want them more space in space so i would almost say the same thing with a changeup. just just let them start to get used to the feeling of what it feels like to be relaxed and loose and just kind of let it happen and then maybe go to school on what the ball is doing. And let's say it is doing kind of what we already saw it doing as they move backward and we see that <clears throat> this thing is holding true and it is who they are. Yes, let's start to, and, and by the way, it was also Kirk Starless when we had our talk about this. Kirk had a lot of run, a lot of run. And it was just, that was probably also what really got my attention about the value besides more of the instinctive part of, of long tossing the changeup, but he he would aim way to the left. Well, he kind of did it with his fastball too. I can't remember as much with his changeup, but the idea is that stay with the shape of it, as you said, um, but let that happen second. Let's not try to um, force anything or, or kind of presume, even if we're like 90% sure. I'd almost put it this way. I love the word curious. Let's just be curious to see when we do this new drill, Right. Let's just be curious to see, huh, what, what comes out of this picture when we start to elevate them uphill? It may be the same dude. It may be pretty much the same dude, but it also may not be the same dude at all. And I think we just need to kind of be open to that and let that happen. But at some point, if that's who that dude becomes and we just know it is that kind of movement, that's just what is organic now. And we figured it out. Absolutely work with that, as you would say, with shape. 100%. So switching gears a little bit, I, I really have two more questions for you. One, uh, let's, let's start here. Why do you think the changeup has kind of fallen out of 
out of favor, so to speak, over the last decade or so, right? It seems like everyone's throwing you know, a ton of cutters, sliders. Um, you know, kids want to go to the curveball first um, as their kind of first off-speed pitch they learn. Um, why, why do you feel like that is? Like, is it just because the changeup is a harder pitch to learn, to master? Um, give your take on that. Easy. To me, the changeup is by far, there's not a close second. I guess we can argue the curveball, you know, when you're younger. I mean, the curveball can be kind of a bit tricky. But I think in the grand scheme of things, the changeup, mainly because of not so much the grip, it's mainly because of the mental side. It's, it's sort of this lack of awareness or you don't know what you don't know about this idea of breaking the mold and what it means to truly throw it with full intent and make it go too hard. And so I think because there's not so much of an awareness of really that that kind of process and that drill or that that awareness of it, we keep it's like a hamster on a wheel. We keep we get players that have a good change or show it or they did something to manipulate their, their body that the, the pitching coach or the player couldn't really even see or feel so that we, we just keep making physical adjustments to to try to figure out how to throw the change up right. And that leads to a lot of frustration ultimately because it's not the fix. The fix isn't your front side pulled out. Your front side may have pulled out. The fix isn't your head pulled out. Your head may have pulled out. The fix isn't your arm slowed down. Your arm may have slowed down. The fix is, is we got to get you to throw this thing as hard as you can and make it go too hard and feel what that feels like. And then, we, and then we're off to the races. And I feel like because that mental piece which is what my article goes so deeply into because that mental piece is either either coaches and players are not aware of it that much or if they're aware of it um it's it's hard for them to figure out how to how to process and, and, and translate that and fix it um but whatever it is i feel like that it's the hardest pitch to master by far because of the mental piece to it not the physical piece to it Awesome. Um, so if, okay, actually, before we conclude, I, I really want to hear about your infinite change of theory. Um, you, you touched on the article. First time I've ever heard that, uh, those words in the same sentence. Um, you, you talked about the, the one guy who threw, you know, 57 change-ups in a row. Um, what is the infinite change-up theory? Dan, I don't think I paid you extra money for you to end on that note because what you're going to do is you're going to push me. If I haven't already gone into the mental side of change up, of course, you're going to push me even deeper. Um, the infinite change of theory, which is in the article, which I actually really enjoyed writing about that, is straight back to the mental game. If you think about the average hitter growing up, from the time they were able to start deciphering what a changeup was. My theory is, is that 90%, if not more, of pitchers don't throw a fastball, don't throw a changeup with full intent. I'm talking about the major league level. I'm talking about the highest levels all the way up. Um, now, if we cherry pick and find a handful of guys that absolutely do it and, and, and are locked in, and no doubt. But I'm, I'm saying like high school, college, the minor leagues, um, which isn't it curious why every single pitcher in baseball, starter and reliever, should have at least a really good changeup. It's not, right? These are the most advanced pitchers in the world. So that's just a question for someone to ask themselves. What, 
which goes back to your earlier question, why it's such a hard pitch to learn because it's more mental. So if hitters grow up their whole life and all they do is of the, let's call it, we'll give it some credit, 10% of pitchers do throw it with good um, fastball mentality. But 90% of the time, their brain gets notified, alerted, even if it's subconscious that the pitcher did something different, right? There was a change, whether it was a decel of the front side or the head pulled out or the facial expression change, or of course the hand looked different. So they're tipped off. And the higher you go on the levels, the easier the tip off is to them. They're used to it. So you can say hitters have seen a million pitches at some point in their life and very rarely has the brain measured what it looks like to see a real high intent Trevor Hoffman, Pedro Martinez changeup. It's a unicorn, right? So the brain has so much programming from a hitter's point of view that if you are that one tenth of one percent, the Trevor Hoffmans of the world, who players at the major league level look changeup probably 100% of the time on him more. Well, Let's not say 100%, but mostly they look change up on him. Still had no chance, essentially. What happens is, is that the infinite change of theory is basically saying that, so if you do are in that one-tenth of one percent, and you do throw that change up, and we can say the hitter has no chance, <clears throat> and then you throw a second one, and we can say the hitter has no chance, and you can say, well, now the third one, they're going to look for it. And this is the rub of that section of the article. And my point is this. If they look for it and you come back with 100% full intent from your hair down to your toes, you are looking 100% fastball, their brain is going to still default to the million pitch pitches variable. <laughs> that That's the groove in their muscle memory. That's what they know. And when you don't tip it off at that last moment of truth, their brain is going to say, here comes a fastball. Because they've seen out of a million and a hundred pitches in their life, a million of them have been decelled or they've been tipped off subconsciously in their brain. You're so saying the 10 out of them. Sorry. You're saying they, you're still you're essentially having a competition with the subconscious part of the hitter's brain. The hitter might actively think before the before the pitch actually comes, I'm going to adjust for the changeup. But when it actually push comes to shove with how quickly it's actually happening, how quickly they have to make a decision. The conversation is really happening in the subconscious part of their brain, which they haven't, they can't override it in the 10 seconds between that pitch and the next pitch because they've just been so programmed on a deep level. That's, that's kind of what you're saying. Yes, that's the main piece. The other piece is this hitters notoriously don't ever want to get beat on a fastball or they don't want to get beat on a fastball in. So let's say after seven changeups, they finally say, okay, no matter what, even if he throws a fastball, I am not, I'm going to spread my feet. I'm going to shorten up my swing. Absolutely going to sit changeup. And then when the pitcher gets that moment of truth again, and as you said, the number one default is going to go to the subconscious, right? What they've seen for 15 years, a million times. But here's the other part the hitter is still competitive. In the back of their mind, they're thinking it's the eighth one. This is the one that he's going to bust me finally, right? And we can say that, but they still deep down want to sit on the changeup. But, but there's going to be that little seed in their mind on the eighth one that this is, I, I don't want to get beat on the, on the fastball. And where normally they would get tipped off, so they could, let's say, make, adjust 
because the pitcher looked different. The pitcher comes back with 100% intent and it, it feeds into that story that this is the one I'm going to get beat on. So now take it to 50. Now you've done 50. And hitter's like, okay, the 51st one, no matter what. Like, right. Right. I'm not going to think he's going to beat me with a fastball. And I'm not saying a hit, hitters at the higher level won't, won't be able to make this adjustment. Obviously, there's, it's a bit facetious. But my point is, is the brain, as you said, has been so, the pathways are so grooved to, to know a changeup is coming because it's so rare to see a pitcher not tip them off. And that is the takeaway. That is the end game. And to me, that's why Jack Krawcheck, when we had our pro camp, and he said to me, <clears throat> all change-ups, the hitters behind me that were waiting to get in the cage knew Jack well, and they knew and they knew at some point all he's doing is throwing a change-up. And it was comical. It's still, it was still hard for them. And that's – I keep coming back to the Trevor Hoffman analogy. <clears throat> I got to believe the last eight to ten years of Trevor Hoffman's career when he was – down to 85 to 88 or whenever that started. I got to believe that hitters at least 80% will give him a little bit of like, they need to sit on a fastball at this point, or maybe he's going to throw his, his curveball at this point. I'm just throwing a general number out. 80% of the hitters at some point or 80% of the time on Trevor were looking change up. And I watched Trevor in just awe. And I watched the game in just awe, the interplay of the pitcher and the hitter. And I could not get my mind around the fact that I knew these hitters were sitting changeup and they still had no chance. I can't even remember a time where I saw, I'm sure it happened, sort of like Mark Grace did it on a Mariano Rivera cutter. Like he seemed to be one of the few guys that he probably visualized the pitch 12 inches in and just created a swing path and and, and hit, hit that, you know, had that important hit against Rivera in the World Series. But I just, I can't think of a time when I saw a hitter who just, I, who looked like he just let it travel perfectly and then was on time perfectly and hit it on the screws perfectly. I'm sure it happened. But in all the years I watched Trevor or even a page, or page was different because he threw so many different pitches. And again, it begs the question, if you told a hitter that, this guy has a perfect arm speed, 100% intent change of coming. Would he ever want to do with that pitch? And I think a hitter would say, I don't ever want to do with that pitch. Give me a, again, give me 102 off the plate. I, it, 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 I don't ever see, look, I don't ever see that pitch. And Trevor, I guess, maybe symbolically is perfect for this whole conversation because He's proved positive to me. Someone can say, well, he had the best changeup ever or one of the best ever. And I'm not disputing he didn't. But are you telling me that the major league hitters at the highest level who have seen a million pitches in their life and <clears throat> have schemed um, plate appearances their life and have watched video and know they're going to get a changeup time after time, are you telling me that they couldn't figure out, like psychologically or strategically, had to sit on a changeup, of course they could. That's the that's the theory behind why that infinite changeup theory. And and if, if I guess I'll end on this point. Start watching, and I don't mean you, but I mean anybody listening to this podcast. And I, I'd invite anybody that starts watching baseball. Now it can't be on a pitcher that's throwing a you know a ninety three percent changeup the right way. 
But you look at some of these better pitchers out there. I, I know like an Ian Anderson has got a great changeup. Scherzer's got a great changeup. Um, the, the guy you mentioned with the Brewers has a You tell me the next time you see someone who is absolutely sat back, grounded, no energy coming out of his body, calm and loose, ball getting to the, the right hitting spot, and then he releases all his energy on it like a 95-mile-an-hour fastball being on time. And just just tell me. I, I'd love to talk to Ninja about this, start posting if he sees so much of it. And, and my point is I've watched a million games in my life. I'm sure you have too. And I look for this. I, I just it's, – it's like it's a unicorn. I just – I never see it. Why? That's the question. Why? Why does that not happen? Yeah, I'll so let me throw it back to you. So I'll, I'll throw it back to you to end. Why do you think we don't ever see it, or rarely? I just think there's such a deception component with the changeup, at least at least with a good one. If you can create the, the exact same uh, exact same look to the pitch and have some shape to it, um, it's just it's such a difficult pitch to hit, right? It's the difference between like hitting a sinker might be difficult. Because all you're dealing with is that shape, but hitting a, cha- a good changeup, you're dealing with the si- the difficulty of hitting a sinker shape, but you're also dealing with the the velo differential aspect too. So there's a timing aspect, and there's just like that's nasty movement aspect. So it's almost like a double whammy to that pitch. And I I agree, but I would still say enough players, and I mean with, with all the data out there now, and all the analytics, and all the video, enough players. I'm sorry, what was the name of the Brewers pitcher that you started out with tonight? Well, Sorry? Devin Williams. So you take Devin as an example. The word's out on Devin, right? People are scouring the video on him. And again, he has other threats. So I'm not saying they can sit on the changeup like they could with Trevor. But we could also argue, even though it's the double threat of velocity and shape, you would still think at that level, at the major league level, the minor league level, the division one, any division one, two, three, any of the college levels that NIA, that there would be adjustments. I mean, look, we know in life, like in sports, it's a game of adjustments. And people make adjustments all the time and they get better. That's why they always say the third time through the lineup or the, you know, or the first time, the first year of a rookie pitcher and, you know, or, or the first time through the league, they're, they're going to figure, they're going to adjust. And and I guess to me, the infinite change of theory is sort of like, come on, we've got millions of pitches being thrown for the last hundred years or let's stay in the last 20 years and you're telling me that major league hitters with major league hitting coaches with major league video with major league analytic analytics and we're not making a better adjustment and i'm i'm agreeing i'm saying there's a reason why it's yes it's what you said it's deception it's mood shape but i'm saying it's more to that it's so deeply ingrained in the mm. mental side of things. And that, to me, is why maybe this is a good way to end this. If you can get to this point as a, as a pitcher, a pitching coach, a parent, a scout, if you can get to a point where you can take a pitcher and just assume that they may have never, ever broken that threshold of throwing a changeup, not what they think is fastball mentality, but is real. 100% Bruce Lee 10th degree black belt with foam coming out of the mouth and make it go too hard. Or, or maybe they do it the first time and they, and they do it right and they realize they don't need to throw it slower. But I'm, I'm saying 
based on my experience, 90% or more of the pitches, if they do that drill right, it is going to go noticeably faster, which normally would scare them, except now they know why they're doing the drill. And that's the piece that is the biggest piece to me that is missing on this idea of the changeup. And it's also why it is the hardest pitch by far to throw. It's not because it's physical. Awesome, Alan. Uh, let's, let's end it on that. I think it's super valuable advice. Um, definitely an art form to master the changeup. I know it's a pitch I always personally really struggled to, to learn and to perfect. And I think this would have been extremely helpful for me you know, 10 years ago to have to have that kind of insight into um, all the different ways to actually master the pitch, starting with the mental side, because that's, ne that's frankly, I never heard that that type of explanation. It was just throw like your fastball and it, it ended right there. So I, I think there's there's a huge difference in terms of what you're describing and what the the average pitcher gets told at every single level of the game when the changeup gets brought up. So. Hopefully people got something out of this. I know I really appreciate you being on and, and sharing your perspective. And, um, you know, I'd love to continue this conversation with people in the comments on Twitter and, uh, you know, just hear different perspectives. So, um, again, thank you. And, and we'll do this again sometime. Ben, again, as I said earlier, man, I, I just, I appreciate, first of all, I appreciate you as a person and I, I really enjoy our conversations anyway, but to do this together and uh, your passion for just always growing, improving, and, um, and and just you brought up so many good points. And uh, and I'm just glad we could do this because the end of, and at the end of the day, what do we both do this for? We love sharing and helping. And also, like you, I would love feedback. Like, I, I'm a feedback person, input. I, I just would love when people listen to this and watch this. It would be great to get their comments. And maybe people have done more of these drills that I think of and I think have been done. And um, But as you said, it would be really cool because it's – we didn't talk about this at the beginning, but it's such a beautiful pitch. And it's a shame that people maybe, you know, put it away at a young age or, or, or go away from it because it's just too hard to throw in some ways. And, it, and hopefully this reopens the door, as you said, right. to where the changeup now all of a sudden is just this cool pitch and there's more of an understanding behind it. Awesome, Alan. Well, uh, I'll let you go, but thanks again for doing this. Thanks again for having me on, brother.